he really got me. You know, I think it's because he was gay. Got the nuances more. get me a gay mickey gotta get a gay well hello and welcome to another episode of in the details a celebration of nuance where each week i queen out on all the acting choices micro moments and magic in the minutiae that make a scene great my name is colin drucker your name is barbara bell gettys we know that and this week's gonna be a little bit different because we're not talking about a movie we are talking about a musical and that is um, not my typical genre. It's not my typical art form. It's not my thing. Um, I, I, for a number of reasons that are probably more about me than musical theater. But just on time, uh, in the last year or so, leading up to my 35th birthday, the universe whispered the word company in my ear. It was like, you should... You should go. You should go find out what company is, and I kind of it was one of those things that I knew like three things about. I knew that Ladies Who Lunch was from Company. I knew that Stephen Sondheim had written it, and I always confused it with a musical called Working. I assumed it was an office comedy, um, and I don't even know if Working is. I just know that um, maybe I'm thinking of Promises, Promises. I don't know, but I did not know what it was, and so. I don't even know if I really like looked anything up before I just kind of like looked for it on my phone on Spotify and thought, well, I know there's this 2007 revival that everybody loves, but you know, you, you might as well start from the beginning and then like work your way up. And so I went to the original cast recording, which I understand is the correct term for these things. And it was like, you know, (laughs) this is like a strange, this is a strange comparison, but in 2015 I went to Peru and I did ayahuasca and I'd like to believe that I did it before ayahuasca became like the man bun of things to do in 2020 Um, I also would like to admit that at the time I was growing a man bun so um, I am no one to judge but in any event I'm not trying to say that as like some sort of odd flex that I was there first because I was also just still some white guy from New York going to Peru to drink ayahuasca in the jungle. So I wasn't, but I wasn't, I don't, I think it wasn't something I like heard about on Vice News or, you know, read about on BuzzFeed. It was like, you know, my life was kind of in shit at the time. And uh, it was like the universe just kind of like whispered it in my ear. And that's how I've always described it. Cause that's kind of how it was. Like, I don't know where the idea came from, except it was like something my friend and I knew vaguely about and kind of joked about as like, well, shit, like if all else fails in our lives, we'll, you know, go to South America and, you know, do a pilgrimage into the jungle to do ayahuasca. Well, I think um, company has been my ayahuasca of 2019. Fortunately, company was a lot easier to digest, did not require so much travel or so much barfing in the jungle, but um, has been (laughs) similarly revelatory in my life and of course it's all about someone this guy who is about to turn 35 or it's his 35th birthday and so I feel like the timing leading up to this of discovering it just before that so that I could now 
on the, I guess, the day after my actual 35th birthday myself, my Bobby baby 35th birthday, I am now discussing my feelings on company. I should say a few things up front. I have not seen a production of it yet, but uh, I will be seeing a production of it in March, the one that's coming. That's uh, I guess it's open now in New York, or it's opening soon. But the, obviously, this is the revival where Bobby is now Bobby with an I, is the, the female Bobby, and they've kind of reworked the whole thing. And, of course, this has Patti Lapone as Joanne. And I've heard bits and clips, and I've seen things here and there. I... I'm interested. I'm excited. I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure yet. I kind of feel like I'm, as I said, as I as I previously stated, I am not um, super well versed in the world of musical theater, and I think the reason for that in general was that the examples of it that I kind of stumbled into or I knew from high school from being in the theater company was it was it was too broad for my tastes. I felt like. Punchlines always had, you know, exclamation points. I felt like, especially in, in like, songs that are supposed to be funny, I felt like the punchlines were just too over the top, you know? Or, and even if it was just something based on a face, you know, a little face journey or a gesture or some sort of physical comedy, it was always played to the back row. And that's just how I felt and what I saw. And I was like, okay, I get that. Like, I get this appeals to a lot of people. It's just what I was seeing wasn't wildly appealing to me and I think in college like the first kind of musical theater thing that sort of hit a different note for me and I feel painfully stereotypical of a gay man in college in like 2006 2007 but yes yes my friends it was the uh original cast recording of the last five years um yes it was uh, it was thinking about my uh, college heartbreaks while listening to Still Hurting. And it was, you know, um, thinking about, you know, college potential boyfriends <laughs> listening to, you know, the next 10 minutes. And it was like loving the, the actressing of climbing uphill. And, you know, like not realizing that I was, you know, it was me and 200 other girls. You know what I mean? It was just like I was on a journey that so many other gay college kids were on. And it took me a long time to realize that, like, these were separate but, like, parallel paths. And so I feel like company was similar in that it was something that appealed to me at a certain point, that spoke to me at a certain point. And, like, it was one of those things that I heard. And, like, once I started, like, listening to it and listening to the lyrics and kind of putting my ear to it because I, I understood that, like, Stephen Sondheim is very much like a writer, you know, like there's like writing in there. Like there's some writers where like you're supposed to notice the writing. And so I was excited about that. And it was like, not only was there that feeling of like, oh, wow, this is like really great writing. It was also like, oh my God, I didn't know anyone else knew about that feeling. I feel very seen and very attacked right now. You know, like it, it was hitting such a deep nerve. And, and of course, thinking that I am, you know, I am the one, I am the one to be reached, that, you know, it is a company of one, that this whole stupid thing was written just to make sense to me. There's that feeling, am I the only one here? And um, I'm not, and so I'm here to announce that. So all that to say that I have not seen it, but listening to that original cast recording, I was like, oh my God, okay, great. This is going to be just like 
Ace of Bases album, The Sign, in 1995, I'm just going to listen to it over and over and over. And kind of what happens over time is that you sort of do imagine your own story or you kind of fill in your own blanks or it's almost like a radio drama or something where you're kind of filling in the the visual details based on what you're hearing. And I I think that's why I didn't like get really hungry to find I mean I, I kind of did do the YouTube rabbit hole and, and found some things, but I I didn't want to alter I didn't want to like alter my image of what I thought I was hearing and what I saw in my head. I just became very attached to that. And I don't know if that's something that other if that's another one of those things that people who have not seen may not ever see. And so there has to be some sense of like, okay, well, what do I think this looks like? And while I'm very excited to go see it in March, there's definitely that feeling of like, wow, this is just it's, automatically I'm going to have to like let go of how, what I think this is and kind of like welcome in this new version. And I've heard – so so the, the point of that being that like I've heard some parts of like – the 2007 revival and I've heard a couple, you know, songs from the 2018 revival, but I just keep going back to the 1971. I think it's because one of the things I love the most about this is how 1970 it sounds. Bobby, 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 baby, Bobby, 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 I like that it sounds incredibly dated. I think that that kind of creates an atmosphere. I think it kind of sets it in a time. And I don't know, when I think of, I mean, I recognize that there is a lot of, you know, there's a, an element to this that is very much timeless and is certainly relevant to today. But there's something kind of exciting about also keeping it in this very like late 60s early 70s kind of thing and, and letting it live in that time I think the other thing about this that draws me in is that while it is all centering around this, you know, uh, chronic bachelor Bobby um, and all of the women in his life and, and his friends all wanting him to get married, it is obviously it is written by a gay man. And Bobby is, for all intents and purposes, a gay man. And any gay man in his 30s listening to this will see themselves and see their friends and see people that they've dated and will be like... Oh, it's not just me. And I hope because that's my, that was that was what the journey was. I thought today we could just kind of talk about some of my favorite nuances from company, some of the things that have jumped out to me. And I'll try to talk about it in a way that is intelligent because I, you know, I did not study music. I am not a musical theater person. Um, I am just, I'm kind of just trying to appreciate it from this other angle of like, there's lots of actressing going on. There's lots of moments going on. There's lots of, you know, like on Best Supporting Podcast, you know, Nick and I talk about gay whistle tones. And I mean, this is just like pure, it's, it's you know, 90 minutes of gay whistle toning. But there are some specific moments that really excite me. And I think are the moments that kind of broke through this like musical theater um, bias that I have. And I think that's kind of what I'm really looking at today are the things that 
made me change my mind, you know, and at least not make the blanket statement of like, ugh, musical theater, but kind of like set the standard of what I'm excited by, what I'm looking for. It, it is very much like Ace of Base in the 90s. Once I discovered them, I was like, I just want to hear everything that sounds like them. And so now, you know, uh, oh my God, 25 years later, I am doing the same thing. So let's, um, as they say, let's get into it. That's what it's all about, isn't it? That's what it's really about, really about. So it kind of makes sense in some ways that I think my favorite number from Company is um, the main song, Company. I think it, the first, <clears throat> the way the show opens, I just think is, it's like everything. It's everything I want in a song. It does everything. I feel like the the drama of those first notes, like every, I think because I just listened to this album over and over, it was like every time, you know, I was like, oh, do I want to listen to this? And then I would hit play on that. And I'm like, all right, I'm here. And sort of leading into that like dreamy Bobby, Bobby, Bobby thing, which, you know, of course repeats throughout the show. There's that kind of, same thing you see that same you know motif as the case may be But then what I love is like, then it goes into that like that dial tone and then the like electric guitar that kind of sounds like a dial tone. I think that, that felt so different to me. And I'm sure there's lots of musicals that are, you know, you know, I don't know, that this is not the only musical that sounds like this. There's people who probably know other musicals that are like, oh yeah, this one kind of did that and this one had an electric guitar. Um, is it an electric guitar? I hope so. Uh, I could not find an answer to that. But I think because it wasn't hitting the familiar notes of other musicals, which I think was kind of company story in general, right? It wasn't telling a linear story. It wasn't telling, you know, an escapist story. It was kind of putting people's, you know, kind of putting the audience's problems in their face. And I think that really excites me. I don't want the escapism. I want that. I want Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. I want August Osage County. I want real life stuff to react to you know, and deal with. And I want to watch people do that. And so I appreciate that even in the music, you can feel like, oh, we're not doing this dreamy musical world. Like we're doing something different. And I feel like that kind of plays out through this first song. There is the sort of mocking tone, like, or, or like satirical tone underneath and like talking about like these good and crazy people, my friends. Like, I think that at first when I heard that, it was like, oh, this is too earnest. This is too like, but, you know, it, it's too much of what I don't like. And then I realized it was like, oh, this is on purpose, you know? One of my absolute favorite nuances that luckily happens repeatedly in the show is in um, this section coming up of all of them calling out to Bobby. And it's Elaine Stritch belting out, Robbie. Bobby. Bobby. Bobby, baby. 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 Bobby,
Bobby, Bobby, Bobby, Bobby, we've been trying Bobby, to call Bobby, you, Bobby, 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 I also just really appreciate how this song is so fucking over the top. It is so dramatic, but about things like a dinner party or going out for, you know, a happy hour or playing card games or, you know, fondue night. Like, I love that upper middle class uh, milieu that is like, that is the, 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 the stuff that this show is made of. And yet they are, they are over the fucking top about it. And I, I don't know. I think that, that dissonance is really interesting. And the fact that the, I, it also doesn't feel like they're punching the punchlines. They're presenting them. If you catch them, you catch them. If you miss them, well, that's on you. And then this part. I don't know the story with this part. I know there is the original cast recording, that documentary that I have been trying to hunt down. I found parts of it on YouTube. But this opening number, this part where they just hold this note, they just, and, and some of them seem to clearly drop out. But every time I'm like, this is, this is going on way too long. This is way too long. Oh my God, this is too good. It just, it's, it's like a face journey that just keeps going. And then it goes into like epic territory or like, oh, this isn't just a held shot. We're doing a moment here. But then, I mean, the end of this song, you want to talk about drama. Like, I I just, I want to see, you know, YouTube is great. The, the, the thing I've discovered in my limited rabbit holing is that there are lots of other people creating compilations of things like, oh, who, who did Getting Married Today the best? You know, who sang, you know, Being Alive, the, the end of Being Alive the best? And we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, and then it's just a compilation of, you know, 15, 16 different performers and clips of them, you know, over the years doing their version of it. And it's fascinating. And what I would want to see a version of, the, of that is like the end of this song. The, like, I just I want to see what the choreography is or like what they're doing, because it is just so it is like I think it is a song that is going to a 27 on Best Supporting Podcast. We kind of talked about this with dream girls and and I'm telling you I'm not going. That is a song that completely goes to a 27 and I think this song is kind of um, not in the same way but in its own way also going to a 27 here. So moving on, uh, there's a song <clears throat> called Have I Got a Girl for You, which is all of Bobby's male friends like suggesting different you know, wild women for him to meet. And this is the, typically the kind of song that I'm like, next, too many men, not interested. Have I got a girl for you, boy, oh boy. Dumb, and with a weakness for Sazerac swings, you give her even the fruit and she swings. The kind of girl you can't send through the mails. 
Call me tomorrow. I want the details. It reminds me of in high school, I was in How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. And I remember there being lots of songs in like the men's washroom. And I was like, there are no women in this. I'm in this number and I'm bored. So um, I, I typically would just kind of check out at this point. But maybe because a gay man is behind this, it is... It's so good, but I think what I love the most is like the song goes from like there's like part A where they're kind of they each of these guys has this like wild woman with the Sazerac slings and she knows all the Kama Sutra and blah blah bling, uh, call me tomorrow with the details, uh, but then it kind of goes into and this is what I like to picture is that some kind of it feels vaguely West Side Story like it feels vaguely like the like the jets or the sharks. <laughs> and I like to think of the husbands kind of like dancing together and waltzing while they talk about like the, the, um, these kind of, um, this sort of Socratic questioning <laughs> of Bobby about why he wants to get married. Marriage may be where it's been, but it's not where it's at. Oh, tell me all about it when you maybe wow. What do you like? You like coming home to a kiss? Somebody with a smile at the door. What do you like? You like indescribable bliss? Then what do you want to get married for? But then what really gets what me, like? and it's it sort of like catches me, you know, by surprise, is the way the song ends and there's kind of that like, I picture some, you know, they're all kind of like exiting and there's kind of that last one echoing, you know, what do you want to get married for? And the way that it becomes kind of haunting at the end, that's such a surprising, I did not think a song full of men being dudes was going to be so haunting. And I, that's kind of made me go back to that song again and again and really kind of appreciate, um, just like appreciate it, appreciate, learn how to appreciate a song that doesn't have a woman in it. It's hard, but um, I'm trying to grow and change now that I'm 35. You like an excursion to Rome, suddenly taking off to explore. What do you like? You like having meals cooked at home? Then what do you want to get married for? 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 But let's let's be serious. Let's be real. Let's talk about the women. Let's talk about the song Poor Baby. What? I worry. Why? He's all alone. Mm. There's no one Where? in his life. Oh. Robert ought to have a woman. And what I love about Poor Baby is the way that it builds up to all of the disparate voices and how they're all kind of like jumping out and... Um, kind of filling in you know they're all it it reminds me of the um the opening number of book of mormon which is a a musical i did see recently i have some musical references but it does kind of have that same feeling where they're all you know knocking on doors Well, you know, you know, no one wants you to be happy 
and I and this it's like I feel like this number I would love to see some drag queens do this number. I think this is a great like group performance for, you know, eventually like five drag queens, especially the one who gets to be Elaine Stritch. John had pointed that out in the past, and I, I finally really heard it. Is the, is while they're kind of all pointing out uh, their own criticisms of different women in his life, where she's just—it's like she's going off on her own about how she's tall, tall enough to be your mother. Like I, um, uh, Goliath. Like I, I love, I love that Elaine Stritch is kind of being Elaine Stritch in this moment. But I think. Um, the the buildup of the voices and the and the you know I know like that thing is the way that it gets like hypnotic and I think that's another thing about company that I find exciting is that the music it's not that storytelling music it's not that like I am singing about what I am doing I I, I know RuPaul and Michelle have talked about this on What's the Tea and I think he's used the exact same example so I'm giving credit where credit is due I can't with that um, but this it's not. It's not. It's like the song gets to be its own little set piece and so and kind of live in its own little vignette. And so it doesn't have to just be like, oh, here's the boring part. You know, here's where we got to like move things along while the set changes are happening, you know. And that, of course, I mean, if we're going to keep talking about ladies, I feel like I would be remiss if I did not talk about Beth Howland. Howland? Beth Howland as uh, Amy and especially, of course, doing Getting Married Today. Now, I am familiar with her originally, like, and this was another thing that really hooked me with company, is that I knew her as Vera from the sitcom Alice from the 70s and 80s, maybe just the 80s. In any event, it was a show that when I was a kid, E, the channel E, they used to air in the morning. Um, and this was like maybe, I guess, during the summer when I was home from school. But they would air reruns of Alice and One Day at a Time. And so... That was like, and then there'd be like an E! True Hollywood story. So this was like classic cataloging. I was, I was aware of Valerie Bertinelli. I was aware of Bonnie Franklin. I knew who Linda Lavin was. Um, oh, Godzilla Weston was on Alice, for God's sake. I mean, it was, uh, it was great. And then I'd go to an E! True Hollywood story about Dominique Dunn, and I'd learn about that. So... It was a really important time in my life. And so to have her now come back to another important time in my life and to do this song, what I mean, this is another, this is one of those songs that there absolutely is, absolutely is a compilation of who did it best. And, you know, who am I to say? I will say Julie Andrews. Um, but <laughs> Beth Helen is great. And I love, I think, again, to talk about things that don't feel like musical theater that I'm not interested in. She doesn't read to me as a musical theater performer or singer. And I'm not saying she isn't, but she has a very sort of character actress voice. I mean, it's kind of like a musical starring Mary Gross, you know, it's just like, Oh, hi there. You know? And I, I liked how that was different. You know, obviously there's another lady we'll talk about briefly who is just the epitome of, you know, not polished and sweet, you know, 
musical theater singer, and we'll talk about her in a second. We're going to get to her. But I, what I love the most about Not Getting Married today is how incredibly breathless she is when she sings Candle Holders. And I love seeing that rough edge. I love seeing, look at you working this hard to like get all these words out. Um, it's a great, it's a great moment for like a singer slash actress to just like, you know, show off a little. Go, can't you go? Look, you know I adore you all, but why? Watch me die like a lies on the ice. Look, perhaps I'll collapse in the abs right before you all. So take back the cake. And I love that it's not perfect. I love that I'm hearing her gasp through it. I also think it obviously informs the performance because she is you know, so desperate at this point. But that is a great song. That's another, like, would love to see a drag queen do this. It's it's just, um, it's also, obviously, it's it's different. It has, like, this totally different style and, um, you know, is, is kind of doing something that, again, isn't just about storytelling, but it's about, like, creating a set piece. And I found that really exciting. Now, I have led up to it, and I have led up to it, but we need to finally talk about Elaine Stritch. I... Of course, you know, I knew about or I had seen clips of or maybe I had even watched that clip from the documentary of Elaine Stritch in the blue shirt and the hat and whatnot trying to trying to get um, ladies who lunch and then like having to come back the next day and do it. And of course, I, I, I think if I don't mention it here, I'm going to forget. But uh, I believe it's documentary now has one of their episodes is original cast recording and it, it's sort of a you know, a parody of the company documentary. And it is, it is incredible. It is so brilliant. But I would have to say the funniest part is their version of this with previously mentioned on this podcast, Paula Pell kind of doing the Elaine Stritch role and her version of Ladies Who Lunch is I Gotta Go. It's, uh, it's fabulous. Maybe I'll play a clip. Uh, I'll, I'll play a clip here. Yeah. Sheets are soiled. Lennon's she picked up at Bloomies for a marriage that I spoiled. I gotta go. I gotta go. Okay, okay. Uh, hold a moment. I gotta go. I said hold a moment, please. Benedict, I've been here for 12 hours. Let me just remind you, I was supposed to sing at the beginning. I was denied that opportunity again and again. Now I have to go. So let's just do this, and I'll try to do my best. But I think to veer back to Elaine Stritch, she is giving me classic BSA vibes throughout this entire thing. Like, every time she comes up, the way that she appears, the energy that she has, and I'm sure in the show it's it's much more defined, and I'm, I'm again, very excited to kind of see that play out. In my opinion, uh, I do think that Elaine Stritch's version of Ladies Who Lunch is the correct version. I think there are probably other performances that do things really well, but for, there's something about the way that she does it that it's kind of like the way that ABBA constructs a song. There's really not a better way to do it, you know, if you think about it. Like, actually, I, think, I feel like I've heard that somewhere. Someone had said, if you try to take apart an ABBA song and put it back together in a more pleasing way, you won't be able to. Like, 
their version is correct. And I feel the same way about Elaine Stritch. The notes that she can hit, I think who she is and the energy that she is, she is how that informs the subject to hear a woman who sounds like that and looks like that talking about these women and, and that concept of ladies who lunch, that was something that always fascinated me and obviously is, is kind of my, um, is my drag, is my aesthetic now, you know, is that, that housewife who's, you know, uh, yeah, who, who's always carrying the, the copy of, of time so that she, you know, can seem in touch. Like, I just think that's so, there's so many little details there and her sort of way of regarding it, I think, the way that she does the the infamous line of does anyone still wear a hat and the way that she kind of like I, you can hear her kind of rolling her eyes and kind of laughing a little at it i don't know how, there's there isn't to me any other way of doing that is just doing a derivative version of what elaine stritch did really well cause they've been sitting choosing a hat does anyone still wear a hat I'll drink to that. And I, I don't know. It's, it, I just, that's something I've always been really excited by. And the song in general, of course, is just like a great number. And I have seen drag queens obviously do this number and encourage it at any time possible. Um, you can find videos online, but uh, Drag Race contestant, infamous Drag Race contestant, Alexis Michelle has some great videos online. Um of her performing Ladies Who Lunch, and it has this whole thing of her like downing half a, of a tequila bottle. It's pretty intense. Um, it's, I mean, it's it's a performance that's based around a lot of drinking, but I think in the context, it like of it being, you know, kind of almost an homage to Lane Stritch, it's kind of incredible. So um, for people who think Alexis Michelle is kind of stuck up, I feel like this is a great alternative, you know, way of seeing her. Um, the part of Ladies Who Lunch that I love the most and that I go back to the most is um, as she's kind of building up here towards the end of like, and the way that she says, and the way that I kind of interpret this part here. A dose of that invincible bunch The dinosaur surviving the crunch Let's hear it for the ladies who lunch Everybody rock I like that kind of like over enunciation. Like that's, it's, it's almost like that's the point where she's, um, it's like she's punching those words, but in a way that works. I don't, does that make sense? There's something about Elaine Stritch where I can hear how, A, she's, she's kind of sloshed, but there's like how ridiculous it all is. And yet how we also shouldn't shun these women. Like there's kind of this balance of like judging these women, but also clapping for them and kind of clapping for them with this like cigarette hanging off of your lips. You know, I, I love the place where she's landing with this. You know, I love the pure, the purely stretchy in place that she's landing and how she's regarding the ladies who lunch and the everybody rise part. I mean, that's just like, it's just, again, a song going to a 27.
Though I have to say, if I'm going to give credit where credit's due, I, I, it, this is a part of the 2007 um, revival that I have listened to, and the way that it ends in the 2007 revival, we'll play that here. It's a toast to that invincible bunch. The dinosaur surviving the crunch. Let's hear it for the ladies who lunch. Everybody And that, of course, is Barbara Walsh, who I'm not super familiar with until now, but uh, a, a great entry point into uh, really a, a, what an interesting performance just to listen to is the way that that ends. It's so, I think, in what's so different from Elaine Stritch is you really do hear this. There's, there's, you can hear this kind of straining and this desperation, and there's something very haunting about that. And I, I don't know, that was very exciting. I have seen a clip of Patti Lapone doing it. So anyway, um, let's move on. I, it, I didn't love it, but maybe in context I will. I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something. I, I, uh, I, she's a great singer, but it, it, I guess I'm just really attached to what I know, you know? Um, so I would say, you know, kind of wrapping things up in terms of like the final nuance I want to queen out about, and I think um, this is very fitting, is, you know, we, we couldn't get out of this conversation without talking about being alive. I know that that song is definitely getting a lot of attention now because of Marriage Story. Um, Marriage Story, which I have not really talked about yet on this podcast, but I should soon. I should kind of do an analysis of that scene with Laura Dern and Scarlett Johansson where Scarlett Johansson cries and eats a biscotti and gets an Oscar nomination. And Laura Dern you know, reprises her role as Renata Klein. I don't know. I think I need to watch it again. That's how I feel about it. I just, I did not like that movie the first time I saw it. And I really wanted to. It's everything I thought I would like. It's Laura Dern being a Best Supporting Actress, you know? But it just, uh, we'll talk about that another time. But there is a scene of Adam Driver's character singing Being Alive at a Bar. And it's, uh, it's good. It's actually really good. What I like about that scene is that he, the character, clearly knows this recording really, really well. And so he performs some of the other characters, and there's just like this knowing quality that really, I will say this if I'm going to tangent on Marriage Story for one more second, I did think Adam Driver was great. I get it. Like, I understand why people are very excited by him, and I hadn't really watched anything of his, and maybe like just held on to what I remembered from Girls, which, you know, is a, a vague memory, but he, um, he was just, yeah, he was really great in that movie. So, uh, and great in the scene. But I think, as I mentioned earlier, there is a compilation of, you know, who sang the final note of Being Alive the best. And while I do love the original cast recording, this is where I think I'm going to deviate. The 2007 revival with Raul Esparza, I have to say, the way that he does it is, is in that final moment is just incredible. You can hear, like, that thing at the end, that, like that that sort of anguish or that sort of like humanity or whatever the way that that kind of comes through and there's like a roughness off the on the edges that hasn't been shaved off and i love that i just i think that is so great that is 
like talk about reasons why I think this is a really interesting musical or why I'm like, oh, musicals, do other ones do this? That moment is so great. Um, I mean, you know, the last five years had some of these moments, you know, that had some of this, uh, you know, Kathy got to have a couple of these moments. But <laughs> and I um, <laughs> but um, I, it was just uh, it's it's. I ha- actually, I, to be honest, I haven't even watched the compilation of like who else has done it because I think I was like, oh, oh, you know, how much do I want to like taint what I've heard? But this is where I'm glad that I've kind of branched out because that that is what I'm excited to hear in the revival is how it, in the New York revival it's going to be Katrina Link. But that's like I think that moment, the way that he infuses it with so much um, unresolved humanity at the end of the show is so cool and um it's kind of like how the beginning of the show just like hooks me and obviously there's like the closing number but which is great and it just brings back the opening number that i love so much so the show hooks me in the beginning and then just like reminds me in the end why to hit, why i should just like hit play again you know to help us survive being alive Um, you know, in terms of like some deeper conversation of how much company like speaks to me as a now 35 year old gay man in New York City, I think that it, I think that instead of it kind of speaking to like all of these things I'm like grappling with right now, it's more of like, oh, I'm familiar with all of those things on the shelf. Oh, wow. Oh, I connect with this deeper because I get the references you're making, you know? And some of the things certainly I, I, I really kind of connect with and I really, um, you know, it's not in the original cast recording, but when I finally heard marry me a little, I was like, Oh my God, how did that's yes. That's like, that is so like, I know what that is. Oh, I've been there. Oh, you know? And like, and I know a lot of people who've been there like that's smart. And I think in some ways it's like, I can't believe this isn't just a show about a gay man. But, I mean, I suppose that's probably true. I guess when you think about New York, that's true about, like, so many people. In any event, I think that is all I really have to say about company and about being 35 and, uh, you know, um, this journey. But I, I, because I'm sure there's people out there who are much more familiar with company and much more familiar with all of this, I'd love to hear from you. Um, be gentle, because, again, <laughs> I'm coming at it from a, a, admittedly an uninformed point of view but uh feel free to drop me an email at in the details pod at gmail.com or you can follow me on twitter at colin drucker or instagram at colin drucker underscore you can also find more of me on all right mary talking about drag queens and drag competition reality tv shows like the upcoming season 12 of drag race or you can find me on best supporting podcast with nick kachanov where we are about to record our episode on beatrice Strait, and so as you know, the second episode of this podcast is gay for Beatrice Strait, and so I am um, so excited to just really make myself as much as possible a subject matter expert on Beatrice Strait's Oscar-winning performance and network. Um, anyway, uh, thank you as usual for joining me for another celebration of um, singing choices, micro moments, and uh, magic in the minutia of company, and uh, I'll see you all next week. Bye.
you'll excuse me. Ah! That's what I said. I'm staying. I'm staying. 